Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the news, what you guys are seeing everywhere, and uh, kind of just trying to give you the common man's approach to the reality of political stuff, breaking through a lot of the bias, the BS, and all sorts of stuff. And it's been uh, kind of a fun week. Uh, There's been a lot of, uh, it's been a little too easy, I think would be probably the best way to say it, uh, which is interesting (laughs) to say, like, it shouldn't be this easy, which immediately makes me skeptical that I'm, (laughs) that we're in the middle of a psyop and we don't know it yet, (laughs) But uh, it's also entirely possible that it's easy because these people are stupid. So uh, there's a lot of stuff to cover um, and just, yeah, just just general craziness uh, going on and a, a lot of neat news, sto- news stories, not just on Afghanistan, but some on Afghanistan because that's still a thing. Uh, and we'll get to that uh, definitely later in the program. So be sure to actually stay tuned the whole time. Because we're going to get into some of the really wild stuff that's occurred, um, you know, because there's still reverberations from the Afghan pullout uh, or Afghanistan pullout. But the first thing that I want to jump into is I want to talk a little bit about Joe Rogan, uh, because I just am fascinated by the the by the Joe Rogan story, but it goes deeper than that. And so we're going to pile all of this together because there's been a lot of really interesting stuff. And I've compiled basically uh, the entire story arc of Ivermectin together for everyone. So let's, let's start with the first big data point that came out on Wednesday, which is that Joe Rogan told his audience on Wednesday that he tested positive for coronavirus. Basically, he said over the weekend he was feeling like crap, Um, you know, knew basically he knew immediately that he was like, oh, I I have coronavirus. I I have fever. You know, I have a headache. Um, I'm sweating. I feel like garbage. I absolutely have coronavirus. Now, Joe Rogan uh, does not has as specifically said on his show that he will not get the covid vaccine. He doesn't trust it, doesn't like it. You know, now. He also states he's I'm he's not anti-vaccine. He's just I'm not taking the COVID vaccine uh, because I don't trust it or what have you. Now he did take a cocktail of different drugs to include some therapeutics, and one of which was ivermectin, which has been huge in the news lately. So we're gonna have to tackle that because there's the headline that the media has been using when it comes to Joe Rogan, which is Joe Rogan takes horse D wormer. Right. Oh no. So let's cover that a little bit. Um, number one for a while, the media has been attacking ivermectin and let's be honest about it. The reality of how people have been approaching it is these big dumb Trump supporters are taking a horse dewormer to treat coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that, right? Like that's been mm-hmm. kind of the social media thing is the dumb magatards are taking horse dewormer. Right. It, it has been, a, the, there has been a coordinated push across the, a, 
large number of media outlets all using the exact same terminology, which is ivermectin is horse dewormer with the association being trying to be built of all of these idiot rednecks are taking medicine for horses thinking it's going to do something about covid aren't they a bunch of dumb idiots you don't want to be a dumb idiot you should probably just do whatever the liberal mainstream tells you to do right exactly and and i'm glad you framed it that way because kind of digging down like i remember seeing some of the ivermectin stuff and i've i've been kind of paying attention to it but i haven't been like diving hard into it until uh we were prepping for the show and exactly the way you said it is perfect because I'm going to paint a story for you and then we'll get back to Joe Rogan. But let's cover the ivermectin part. The origin of ivermectin hitting the headlines came on about the 20th of August. And the origin story of ivermectin hitting the news is that the Mississippi Department of Health had to issue an alert to healthcare providers claiming an increase of calls to the poison control center due to ivermectin ingestion and potential toxicity, according to this alert. Now, understand, the alert didn't specify how many calls it had, just that there was an increased number of calls. Mm-hmm. Now, on the on August 21st, the FDA put out this tweet, and this is this encapsulates everything Alan just said. Here's the tweet from the FDA on the 21st of August. You are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. I like that they threw the y'all in there. Oh, yeah. That's See, the, the minute word. I saw that, I was like, you fuck. Oh, my God. Like, of course. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, seriously, y'all, because it's all a bunch of dumb redneck yokel hicks, right? Now, of course, let's just understand this for a second. So, according to this alert, now, the alert isn't horrifically uh, dishonest because the alert itself is... Merely that there's been an increased call due to ivermectin ingestion. It doesn't mention horse dewormer, right? So the basis of the beginning of this whole narrative was that people were going to grain and feed stores to get the um, over the counter version of ivermectin, uh, which you can be which you can use for livestock. It's now ivermectin is prescribed to human beings. It can be prescribed to human beings. It has won the Nobel Peace Prize for its yeah. uh, use in people as an anti-parasitic, um, right? Yeah. It is a well-known, widely used, very cheap pharmaceutical with a lot of potential for human-born illnesses. It is used all over the world. It, Like you said, it won a Nobel Prize for its use in combating an parasitic outbreak in Africa. Now it's a real thing. It's yeah. not just horse dewormer. It is. It's like it's like saying water is. Oh, that's horse drink. Only ho- that's all. That's horse drink. Look at this. Look at this crazy idiot trying to fight dehydration with horse drink. Right. Or or you know you know like 
it's funny because when um I was taking a class and it was uh, what was funny about it was it it was about uh, the section we were covering was propaganda specifically it was like Soviet propaganda and and this is what it's wild because I see stuff like this now so they keep referring to ivermectin as horse dewormer well that would be similar to me going out and saying did you know that a tablespoon of dihydrogen monoxide can kill children and that a thousand children a year die from ingestion of dihydrogen monoxide. And we have to ban it. And dihydrogen monoxide is in your drinking water. Somebody should do something. Yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know, dihydrogen monoxide is better known as H2O. Yeah. Chemical name for water. It's the chemical name for water. But some people don't know that. And so you take that ignorance. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of people, but it's just people may not think about that. I might. You, you take that ignorance and then you tell them how it's awful. And then everyone runs away, uh, runs around screaming about how awful it is. Now, the reason why I bring up this section was there have legitimately been like back in the day, you'd call it basically like a troll campaign where people would go and get, you know, uh, people on the street to sign a petition to remove dihydrogen monoxide from the water. And you tell people like walking into, uh, you know, like walking into the store, like, Oh, dihydrogen monoxide, just a tablespoon can kill your children, but it's in our water. Oh, and you get them to sign it. And, uh, as Colleen's bringing up, it's prevent women's suffrage was another version of this. You know, people don't know that women's suffrage is the right for women to vote. And you set up a table and say, do you want to stop women's suffrage? Isn't it awful, all this suffrage of women? And people are like, oh, yeah, women's suffrage. That sounds terrible. And They're suffering. They, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, they sign, they sign a petition. So, But that's the whole thing is they're just calling it a horse dewormer. Yes, it is one. It, but it's also a legitimate medication that is dispensed to human beings. In fact, 80,000 prescriptions were filled last month. Also, so, and, doctors and are pers- mm-hmm. the fact that the media is using the term horse dewormer mm-hmm. to describe ivermectin is the clearest proof we have that they are intentionally trying to manipulate the debate around ivermectin by their all of their conscious efforts to ensure that there is a negative connotation with it if they like the the headlines should read joe rogan takes cocktail of well-known anti-parasitic drug ivermectin and it and is no no longer has covid or lots of people in the united states are rushing out to try and get Nobel Prize winning medication, ivermectin, in the hopes that it will treat COVID. The fact that they are using the term horse dewormer is absolute proof positive that they are trying to poison the well on the debate around treatments for COVID so that nobody is allowed will be allowed to think that there is any treatment possible beyond this vaccine thing. Right. So... And that's 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 the real deal. Now there are doctors that are prescribing ivermectin for coronavirus. Yes, like and, and are... hydroxychloroquine, and they mm-hmm. probably both work as they're both both antiparasitics. They probably work on the same general mechanism when combating COVID. And there is there is evidence that it absolutely does work. 
Now, I can't definitively say that it is a 100% it's going to cure COVID, but I have heard numerous doctors describe, like one described hydroxychloroquine and zinc and saying if their levels of hydroxychloroquine and zinc in their bloodstream reach above this level, they have a almost 100% chance to recover from COVID with absolutely no long-term effects. So at the very minimum, there is enough anecdotal evidence out there that ivermectin might be a good prophylactic and treatment against and for COVID that it at least deserves a honest discussion and investigation. But what we see happening is that a concerted effort by the main these mainstream outlets to ensure that nobody even gives ivermectin the time of day. And it, that is very, very strange. On one hand, they'll say it's a global pandemic. We have to everything is horrible. We have to do everything we can to stop this. And the next breath, they'll say, yeah, but we can't look at any alternate treatments or all any drugs available. It can only be this one narrow spectrum of vaccines developed by these three companies. Right. And I kind of it makes you kind of wonder, like, wait, I. Do you have stock in Pfizer? I don't understand. Why are you why the effort to intentionally make sure that people only seek out these three companies cure and no one is allowed to, you know, buy something over the counter? Well, and that's 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 the other side of it, right? It, it's not just no one's uh, like let me see. Uh, the, the the way I would I would phrase it is like you could conceivably on the left, or if you're if you're just a huge proponent of vaccines, there is or there are legitimate arguments you could use for alternative therapy against alternative therapies for coronavirus. You could sit there and say, like, look, there's a vaccine. Why would you why would you go and try hydroxychloroquine, which might work? Why would you go try ivermectin, which now this is me panning the idea of like if there was somebody legitimately wanting to have this discussion, why would you try ivermectin, which might work instead of just getting, you know, why would you try all of these random medications that may work instead of getting the vaccine, you know, which has been, I guess they would say, which has been proven to work because it does kind of destroy the idea that these people are hesitant to take medication because that's what we're told, right? We're told that people that are anti-vaccine are like, you know, they don't trust the science. Well, but they do, though. They're okay with trying ivermectin. They're okay with trying hydroxychloroquine. They are okay with taking medication. This isn't... The, the media tries to paint this as, like, a bunch of dumb fuds or something in, you know, uh, middle America that are just, you know, going to go to church and pray that Jesus takes coronavirus away. But that's not what's happening. These people are more than willing to go try alternative medications, real medications, prescribed medications, all of these things. They don't trust the vaccine specifically. Right. And what's crazy to me about that is instead of having the discussion, instead of the left having the discussion of like, why are these people willing to go try ivermectin but they're unwilling to try the moderna or you know johnson and johnson or pfizer vaccine 
Why is that? That's the real question that they should be asking. They should be asking why people are so hesitant to take that vaccine when they're not hesitant to try ivermectin, which most of them have never heard of, or hydroxychloroquine, which most of them have never heard of. They're willing to do that. So there's something about who those people trust and who those people don't trust. So you have to ask the question of why don't they trust them? And I think that this ivermectin media business is exactly why. I think that we've answered the question as to why anybody who's hesitant about coronavirus vaccines is the way that they are. And it's because the media and the government lie. Right. I think that the media knows that, and that's why they are taking the line that they are. I think instead of asking, well, why don't people want to take it? They know why people don't want to take it, because they know that they're lying about it. And so their goal then becomes, well, we know we're lying about it, so we have to just sort of gaslight these people and make them seem crazy, so that all the people that don't yet know we're lying about it won't find out. Right, and and like... There's a million different reasons why we can answer the why does the media lie so much about this. One of one of which is, I mean, we we could literally do the entire show talking about why the media lies about this specifically. One one answer or a really easy answer to arrive with at that may not be the thing. Watch daytime television from all of your major networks. I would rather poke out my eyes with a hot poker. Right, but. If you do that, if you watch like daytime television on major networks, their largest primary, uh, their largest primary ad source is pharmaceutical companies. Pharmaceutical companies have ads all over daytime television. A large source of income for these media companies is selling people because I, I don't want to go huge into this. I have always been fascinated with the idea that there is such a thing as a commercial for prescription medication because you have to go to a doctor and ask, like you have to go to a doctor, get diagnosed. And then the doctor like writes you a prescription for a pill for your problem. So it's always fascinated me that pharmaceutical companies would have commercials to regular people that are like, are you sometimes a little tired? Do you sometimes feel tingles in your hands and feet? You might have this problem and look at how happy these people are who take our pill. Go talk to your doctor today about getting said pill. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense to me. Like, why are you advertising to me, a consumer who I'm not going to be able to go to a doctor and be like, I think I have this and I need this pill from AstraZeneca. And they go, you don't have that shut up, go away. <laughs> like, I just, sorry. It, it's a thing that, it, it's very weird because they're selling customers the concept that they're sick. So then they go to the doctor and and try to force the doctor to give them a pill. There's no other way for me to see it. Anyway, I'll, I'll get off that point because I could go on a whole rant about it. No, no it, it, you're, but you're not wrong that it is a very strange it's like the idea that you would be getting a it's like the, the commercials for pharmaceuticals should only be played at doctor's conventions or something. Right. It's it's very, very weird. 
Yeah. Like, like it's just that. It, no, what's weird mm-hmm. about it, and this is actually, this is a good point. It's because the pharmaceutical industry is treating, is clearly treating pharmaceuticals and medical interventions as a product to sell to individuals, not as something the doc, that is being sold to doctors. And that focus is very subtle, but it is very telling. They are, they treat the pharmaceutical industry, big pharma, treats medical interventions as a product that individual to that as a product to be demanded by the individual, not as something to be prescribed by a doctor. Right. Yeah. And, and that is, that is a very, uh, there's no better way to say it. That that's, uh, that, that, that's not a good way to go. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just an interesting setup because then a lot of other things about the pharmaceutical industry start to make a lot more sense or at least appear in a very weird light. It's like, why would you, why would you be trying to convince people that they have X, Y, or Z so they would go into their doctor and demand that? Right. Yeah. You have to step, step one to uh, meeting our profit goals is we have to convince people that they're sick. (laughs) So yeah. Now, so there's that there's that aspect of it is just the the large amount of money that is brought into these media companies through pharmaceuticals because they sell medical devices and they sell, you know, pills and whatever as as seen by any time you just look at the television during the day, you would see that pharmaceutical companies pay a lot of money for advertising space to convince the older generation of people that they have a, a million problems uh that, you know, Pfizer will help you solve. Now, yeah. Number two could be that there is very much I, I, I don't think we need to prove it to our audience, a an almost religious fervor behind the vaccines. And mm-hmm. so any question of, you know, any, any question of the true way, truth and life of the vaccine is a heresy and is treated as such. Sure. So so there's that aspect of it, too. But back to kind of the the main story here is the media like I, I i can't stress this enough the biggest reason for vaccine hesitancy and i think it's obvious is that the media lies and they're doing that right now like ivermectin is not just a horse dewormer it is it is an antiparasitic that is prescribed to livestock but it is also prescribed to humans there are a lot of medications that are prescribed to both animals and humans. So this is not a new thing. Just most people don't know it. And the media is using that ignorance for some reason to basically take a, as we said, a Nobel Peace Prize winning medication that is regularly prescribed by doctors. And they are now basically completely destroying the credibility of that medication to everyone in the United States. And I can't stress that enough. Somebody could get a parasitic infection tomorrow, go to the doctor. The doctor could prescribe ivermectin. And that person would be like, Oh my God, my doctor just prescribed a horse dewormer. Are you freaking kidding me? What's the media supposed to do at that point? They're going to have worse or worse. Mm -hmm. They go to the pharmacy to fulfill that prescription, and some left, some Democrat voting pharmacy tech goes, 
this is probably one of those dumb Trump tards who thinks they're going to cure COVID with ivermectin. I'm just going to tell him we're out. I'm going to say, sorry, we can't fill your prescription. Because there have been allegations that that is happening. When, say, a doctor does prescribe ivermectin, there have been there have been people who portray themselves as pharmacy techs on sources like Reddit and some of these other message boards talking about how they are intentionally denying filling prescriptions for ivermectin because they think it hurts Trump supporters. They view people asking for ivermectin as Trump supporters. And so when it's prescribed even by doctors, there is at least people claiming their pharmacy techs giggling over how they're denying filling those prescriptions because uh, they've been told them that by the media that it's only dumb Trump supporters. Right. And so like, just just to kind of summarize that it's a legitimate medication that has now basically been destroyed in public consciousness by the media just so they can attack something basically just so they can attack people who are um who who are skeptical of the vaccine yeah like a legitimate medication that has and it's won- not even skeptical of the vaccine because that's it's to attack people that they have been told are their enemy and skepticism of the vaccine is being presented as this is how you know who your enemy is. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. And and so, so it's wild because I mean, just on that sense, I, I almost, I almost guarantee that ivermectin is going to stop being a medication because the media has destroyed it. And it yeah. was all just to, it was all just to own the, own the conservatives. Yeah, that these people will. There's nothing these people won't destroy. <laughs> All everything is just collateral damage to these people in the war they're waging against you. Right, and now to make matters worse, there was an article that was published earlier this week in Rolling Stone. Oh, and the article is from Doctor Jason McElia. And according to Dr. Jason McElia, he says that ERs, emergency rooms in rural Oklahoma, are backed up because patients are coming in after ingesting the horse dewormer ivermectin. Oh, Oh. Dr. McElia said that, quote, the ERs are so backed up that gunshot victims were having hard times getting to facilities uh, where they can get definitive care and be treated. Dr. McElia said that patients who ingested ivermectin that are showing up to this ER are suffering from nausea, vomiting, muscle aches. But the scariest thing that he has seen is people coming in with vision loss. Now, oh, no, no. Is that true? That's that's terrifying. Is that is it really? Oh, my. Now, the the health system that's associated with rural uh, Oklahoma and this area that Dr. McElia is claiming all of this from is the Northeastern Health System Sequoia. And okay. yesterday, a this message was posted from the administration of the Northeastern Health System Sequoia. This this is the statement. Although Dr. Jason McElia is not an employee of NHS Sequoia. He is affiliated with a medical staffing group that provides coverage for our emergency room. With that said, Dr. McElia has not worked at our Salas Law location in over two months. 
NHS Sequoia has not treated any patients due to complications related to taking ivermectin. This includes Mm. not treating any patients for ivermectin overdose. All patients who have visited our emergency room have received medical attention as appropriate. Our hospital has not had to turn away any patients seeking emergency care. We want to reassure our community that our staff is working hard to provide quality health care to all patients. We appreciate the opportunity to clarify this issue. As always, we value our community's support. That's good. As long as they're valuing the support, that's nice. The hospital had to release a statement to basically say, hey, everybody, this guy's lying. Yeah. Like, this guy is making this up. If you were so, what news outlet published this? Was this just some backwater, underfunded little rag? It was. It was Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, the the Rolling Stone magazine, with probably and, quite a few employees, I would imagine. And, and 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 bear in mind, it got quoted everywhere: MSNBC, CNN, uh, several news outlets ran with this story, and it was single sourced from one guy. Uh, so what you're telling me here is that the entirety of Rolling Stone magazine couldn't be bothered to make a single phone call? No. Apparent, apparently, no. Like, hey, um, I represent whatever. Um, do you guys have a dude by this name on your staff? Oh, no, we actually don't. Oh, thanks. Okay, great. Hey, guys, don't publish this story. That's all it would have taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they couldn't do that because it was more important to them to attack, to wage a attack on all the good people of America than it was to try and tell the truth. Yeah. It, it, it is absolutely mystifying. It just honestly, like the guy just made it up now. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I've already seen people trying to fight this. Say, well, I mean, that's one hospital. He says that there's several. Okay. Like, okay, cool. Like awesome. Uh, then get any hospital to back up his claim. Cause we have one that says he's full of shit. Right. So, so just, just, just get a hospital administration on the record that says, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. We have had to turn away gunshot victims uh, because we're just so overridden with people ingesting ivermectin. Now, I I, I, I would be uh, it, I, it would be bad for me to not point out that understand the two sources of these big stories here, Mississippi Department of Health and Oklahoma. That yeah, that has to be noted. It has to be noted because these are the images. Mississippi, you know, you say the words Mississippi, or you know, you say the names Mississippi. You say the the name Oklahoma to the coastal liberals that watch these news organizations, and immediately they go, "What are these big dummy dums up to now?" Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So that that is. That is part of the reason why these news stories didn't get checked, because there's nothing the liberal media loves more than pointing at red states and fly over America that they absolutely disdain 
and being able to say, look at the dumb thing the dummy dumbs who aren't smart like me in my tiny Manhattan apartment are doing. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's 100%. Like, why didn't they fact check this? Because it's a bunch of idiots in Oklahoma, and it seems true, so it probably is, because those people are idiots. And with the added benefit of we can publish this story, and we can publish this story, and it will create the perception that the people we hate are worth be are worthy of being hated. Yep. Yeah. And, and so we'll circle back now um, to borrow a phrase from Jensaki to Joe Rogan again. So Joe Rogan took ivermectin. He also took some of the. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the word. Is it mo- monoclonal? Sure. Um, some of the therapeutics that have been talked about. This is what this is what the media attacked Ron DeSantis for. Ron DeSantis has been a huge advocate for therapeutics for people who get coronavirus. Just saying, hey, here's here are these therapeutics that are offered. If you do get COVID, take these. And the media has assaulted him because the, the reality of it is, is if people take if people get coronavirus and they're able to take a couple of pills and feel better and then just get over the coronavirus, they won't go and get vaccinated. And that's the problem yeah. there. You have to you have to get vaccinated. Oh, my God. If you don't get vaccinated, then you don't if you don't get vaccinated, then you might think the wrong things. It's very strange. I mm-hmm. it is hard for me to come up with a reason why they they have to push the vaccine business so hard that isn't something crazy yeah it's like why is it uh, this has always mystified me about this whole vaccine debate why is it so it seems like it is in so incredibly important to to these people that everybody gets vaccinated beyond what logic would dictate. And that is very strange to me. And I, I can't really come up with a reason why that is, why that's the case. The, it's like, the, why is it so important? Like, why do I need advertisements on television and all these other things? It's like the effort being put into the vaccine campaign is disproportionate to the risk posed by COVID and the benefits of the vaccine to a alarming degree. I think people are lying about the vaccine. They're lying about COVID and it's all to drive people to get this. Is it that everything is compromised by these pharmaceutical companies to make to, because they're trying to make giant piles of money, which they incidentally are making billions and billions of dollars off this vaccine that they're giving to everyone for free because it's all being paid for in the billions of dollars by your tax dollars and by the tax dollars of various governments. Pfizer also recently is like, there's things like, Oh, and everybody needs a booster every six months. That incidentally was also going to make Pfizer a billion dollars. Oh, and there might need to be a daily pill you take to make sure the vaccine keeps working. And don't worry, Pfizer is going to make that too. I, it's hard for me to understand this in any way that isn't this is all massive grift by pharmaceutical companies to rake in money hand over fist. Yeah, I, I mean, it, like, like we, when we were on our phone call um, last night prepping for the yeah. show, 
that 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 was like one of the things that you'd pointed out is it's almost like the pharmaceutical companies the big three that are making this vaccine are approaching it from the standpoint of like hey what made hulu and netflix uh do so well when it you know when it comes to business and it's like oh right they created a need for something and then you had to keep getting the bigger package like, yeah. Oh, we created the vaccine, and so that made us billions of dollars. But we need to make billions of dollars next quarter, so let's create the booster. You know, in other words, vaccine plus. Yeah, and then yeah, oh, and, and, exactly. and now now you have to take the daily pill, which is vaccine premium plus. So it's like HBO. You know, like you're gonna get HBO, yeah. or do you want to get HBO Max? You know, uh, how about you buy this one because it comes with Disney Plus? You know, it's almost yeah, like it, they look at exactly streaming like, services. Oh well, I yeah. yeah. Well, I got the free version of this software, but to actually save a file, I have to upgrade to the plus plus version that I have to pay for. This is this is a scam when it's anything else. But <laughs> yeah. now, the, but it but the fact that it's some vaccine for a virus that has a ninety nine percent survival rate that uh, it that is extremely bizarre that anybody even cares about. It suddenly is. Oh no no no! But we totally need it. We total totally need it. Um, it, this is totally fine. Nothing to see here, folks. Just, uh, just a normal vaccine for no, everybody. That's fine. It's totally fine. Stop, stop asking questions. Right. Like, and, and that's the whole thing is their obsession with having to lie about these things is what causes the skepticism. It's what causes people to not trust what they're saying. I think that without having to like put on a tinfoil hat, I think part of the reason for the obsession when it comes to the media is because their credibility hinges on this. They started pushing. Well, after they were anti-vaccine, when Trump was in office, they became pro-vaccine. And now it's, oh, my God, people aren't listening to us. Our credibility is now in question. And that sure. could at least explain some of the reason why they're freaking out is if people aren't getting vaccinated, it means they're not listening to CNN. And if they're not listening to CNN, then no one's going to pay them the big bucks to sell their cars and self-lubricating catheters. Right. Now, on the Joe Rogan front, Joe Rogan put out his post, said, you know, hey, I have COVID. What was amazing in the idea of just how the media manipulates stuff and lies, the media was caught sharing a still frame of Joe Rogan's live stream where he talked about having coronavirus, and they filtered it to, like, add a green tint to his skin. Odd. Like, people in at, at least one media outlet had to sit there and say, hey, can you add a tint to Joe Rogan's face to make him look a little more sick and then put that out? And then other media companies grabbed the photo and ran with it. So somebody had to somebody literally had to look at it and say, he looks too healthy in this live stream. We need to green him up a bit because we want people to think he's more sick because he has COVID. So you already know that there's at least a priority that they have to like oversell this. Yeah. And by the way, Joe Rogan recovered within a few days and he posted yeah. a negative COVID test. And this is pissed off the media so much that there was like a hilarious Babylon B headline where it was like liberals are infuriated at Joe Rogan 
uh, denying science by not dying from COVID. Yeah. And just in case all of this wasn't enough, here's a hilarious juxtaposition. So Joe Rogan, pretty healthy guy, does all the MMA stuff, you know, yeah. talks a lot about health. He's in, he's in good health for being 54. Yeah. Healthy the, athletic guy. The boxer, Oscar De La Hoya, who is vaccinated, had to cancel his upcoming fight because he's in the hospital with coronavirus. Like, you could script this as, like, a PSYOP. I mean, unless it's a huge PSYOP. So you have two healthy guys that are both fighters, both involved in relatively the same hobby and or, you know, call it a vertical or whatever. One of them, unvaccinated, takes a cocktail of stuff, gets over it. Vaccinated Oscar De La Hoya gets COVID and is in the hospital. Hilarious. It's just wild. But anyway, that's the. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, it is. It, yeah. it, it, it goes to show <laughs> Trump got COVID and wasn't laid low and died. People. COVID is not killing people. I mean, it's killing some people, but it's not this global pandemic that should cause us to change everything about how we live. Mm-hmm. That is absolute nonsense. People survive it all the time. If you are at all healthy, you survive it completely fine. The numbers about COVID show that if you're healthy, if you're not fat, if you're not old, if you're a normal, healthy person, you're okay. Heck, we probably don't need a vaccine. We probably don't even need ivermectin. All we need is people to not to people to not be sick and unhealthy by carrying around a hundred extra pounds of weight that they don't need. If people had a normal body mass index, then none of this would be an issue. But the fact is, we live in a society where everybody is essentially chronically ill all the time because our diet is so soaked with chemicals that are probably killing us all and terrible in all these other ways and extremely nutrient deficient that we end up that we have a global pandemic and lots of people and people die that shouldn't die i mean a lot of america is relatively healthy most people probably are relatively healthy but there is a lot of people in america that are very obese and are walking around as essentially health ticking time bombs because society is just that unhealthy and no one is trying to make society healthier. If the, if the government and the media and all these people actually cared about the health of America, we would have a, we would have a body mass index passport that meant, sorry, you're too fat to eat at McDonald's. You need to go have a salad. They would be like, yeah, chemicals like atrazine. It's illegal to spray that on crops now, but they don't do those things. They don't, care about the actual health of americans it's either all just a sort of a psyop that they're using to gain power and control or the pharmaceutical industry is thrilled that people are chronically unhealthy because it means they can sell more drugs i mean that's that's kind of where i sit it it it, it, it yeah. comes it comes down to Healthcare has been a huge issue in the government for a very long time. I mean, like people people think that Obamacare was like the beginning and it absolutely was not. I mean, yeah, I, I believe I, I didn't think about this, but back in the 1970s, uh, if I remember correctly, one of the biggest 
thing legislations that was put forward by Ted Kennedy was the development of health maintenance organizations, also known as HMOs. The entire perception of how we handle our health in the United States was changed by the government from being a when you get sick, you call a doctor. When some when you get hurt, you go to the hospital and it turned into no, 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 no. You have to go to the doctor every six months to maintain your health. The really the the way to be healthy is to go to an institution and get pills. You're only healthy if you take pills. What pills are you taking to help you be healthy? Yeah. That's... Yeah, which is bizarre, and it's something that we all should have become extremely suspicious of a very long time ago. Yeah, well, yeah, like I said, I, I could I could go on about this forever. It's it's it is a thing, but in the same guise of health, um, and I, we I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because we have a lot of other things to get to, but I want to clarify some things that really annoy me. There's a lot of talk about the Texas abortion law known as the Heartbeat Act. Um, I'm just going to do the bottom line up front here. This entire situation is political bluster and it's bullshit. The majority of what you're going to hear about the Texas Heartbeat Act is not true. And I believe that the entirety of this situation right now is all just for people to do their political ads for 2022. Yeah. That's it. That that's it. If you guys think that abortion's going to be solved, it's not. If you guys think that this is like some gigantic win, it's not. And let me explain. So first of all, just a couple of data points here. Um the Supreme Court decision was not a decision on abortion. There's a, okay. basically a new method of lawfare. Um, I mean, it's been there for a while, but it's being used more and more, uh, which is getting a court to perform what's called an injunction, which stops illegal action being taken place by placing an injunction on the person who is who would be charged to perform that legal action. An example of this would be when uh, the federal judge placed an injunction on Trump's uh, Department of Homeland Security secretary stopping the Department of Homeland Security from ending the Dreamers Act or DACA, if you guys remember that. Right. Or call uh, what was it? The the quote Muslim ban when Donald yeah. Trump wanted to ban uh, the entrance of, of uh, people from certain countries, uh, which were all listed by Barack Obama when he wanted to stop those the, those immigrants coming in. There was an injunction placed on the people who were charged with performing that action, which made it to where they could not go forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what an injunction is. The Supreme Court decision was about whether or not they could place an injunction on a judge. Because okay. this isn't a law that would be legal action. So you can't go after the governor. You couldn't go after the attorney general because they didn't make abortion illegal. They allowed people to basically have a civil lawsuit 
for $10,000 against anybody who got an abortion after six weeks. Mm-hmm. So the Supreme Court only decided on whether or not you could place an injunction on a judge. And they said in a 5-4 decision, you can't. Because this isn't this doesn't create something that's illegal, so you can't go after the attorney general and put an injunction on him. Sure. That was the decision. Now, granted, the reason why it went to the Supreme Court was because abortion advocates were trying to get the Supreme Court to rule that they were allowed to sue a judge for an injunction and thereby stopping the enforcement of the Heartbeat Act, stopping the ability for people to uh, sue for $10,000 for anybody who, as far as I can tell, either got or performed an abortion. Sure. Now, with that, both sides are BSing the rhetoric around this. And let me explain. Usually what you will see is GOP lawmakers will sign on to bills like this knowing that they're going to fail in the courts. And the reason why they do it is because they can say they put their name on it and going into an election season, they can say, look at me. I stood up for the right to life. I signed on to, you know, the end murdering babies act, which immediately gets like destroyed by a state Supreme court because of how broad it is that this obviously occurred in Texas. And I think that the reason why you're not seeing a bunch of like as, at least as far as I know, you're not seeing a bunch of Texas legislatures sta- or legislators standing up for how great and the, the veracity of this act. The reason why you're not seeing that is because they know ultimately the minute somebody tries to do one of these civil lawsuits that will end up going into a court and a court will say, you can't just randomly sue people for a thing. Once again, yeah. once again, just so you're aware that case, that court decision that will probably knock this down will not be about abortion. It still won't be about abortion. And the constitutionality of the heartbeat act is still being debated in the courts. That's why, that's why they were trying to get an injunction because that's still going through the courts. So it is likely that this might just fail. All of this is rhetoric. The claim that it's this huge victory is rhetoric because it's going, it's, it's going to get pushed through but it was in a legal maneuvering sense it was smart in the idea that they made it near impossible to fight with an injunction so that was smart on the the idea of of the movement of it but ultimately people are overselling this as some giant win that it's not but at the same point the left is overselling this as some sort of giant threat that it's not and i think that that actually creates because Let's be honest. We're used to pandering from the GOP. The GOP says that they're going to end Obamacare and then they don't do anything. The GOP says that they're going to you know, protect the Second Amendment and then they don't do anything. Like We're used to that on the right. It's sure. one of the biggest things that we're trying to fight, which is kind of why um, the establishment GOP hates new media so much because we will point out these failures. But on the left... They're saying that this is literally the handmaid's tale. Right. They are saying women are being made second class citizens. They're having their rights stripped away. This is the worst thing that's ever occurred against women. It is 
just, oh my gosh, like it might as well be Iran or, you know, what the hell ever. The Taliban may as well have taken over Texas. There are all sorts of takes like this. And I want to point something out. In the summer of 2020, within a matter of days of a black man being shot by police, thousands of protests erupted in cities across the United States and turned into riots. And then regularly would pop up anytime something like that happened. If all the rhetoric from the left is to be believed about this Texas heartbeat act, where are the sudden spring ups of nationwide protests against it? Conspicuously absent. Because that's the question. I mean, yeah, it, it, it. There has to be, this is something that, that I, I think deserves at least a little bit of a point, which is there are so many, because of what occurred with the, during the election season and the fact that the left basically had stormtroopers unleashed throughout the United States to create wild disarray and chaos I think it puts the left in a crazy position because now anytime they if they say something is the worst thing that's ever occurred. Everybody should just ask the question, OK, so where are your massive protests that we know you're capable of? Where are the millions of people taking to the streets to protest this stuff? Because I mean, I remember know- they did a whole they did a whole pussy hat wearing women's march when Trump got elected. Yeah, when he was inaugurated, which was not called an insurrection, even though there was all sorts of violence and fire and, you know, assaults and to include Madonna saying that she wanted to blow up the White House. None of that was an insurrection. But yeah, but that's exactly it. You're able to do all of these large scale things, but then the left goes out and says this is the worst thing that's ever occurred to women, but it's not worthy of nationwide protests. And millions of people marches. Why not? Yeah. Uh, I think it also betrays that the entire Black Lives Matter summer of violence that we saw last year was entirely astroturfed and planned. That none of that was a spontaneous protest by these horribly just underappreciated and put upon minorities. That was all crafted from the top down and directed by people not on the street. And the reason we're not seeing it now for this abortion thing is because the abortion thing was the rights idea and they're responding to it. They aren't crafting it from the ground up. The black lives matter riots related to George Floyd were planned before George Floyd ever had ever decided to try and pass off a fake $20 bill. They were planned way ahead in advance, and they waited until they got a headline of black man gets killed by police and then just triggered it. Ah, so so you're saying that these nationwide protests aren't occurring because they the whole Black Lives Matter thing was planned in advance and they were just waiting for the moment. Oh, absolutely. It was. I mean, like, if you look at the whole George Floyd thing, it was such a just terrible event to try and capitalize on it it was so easily provable that it wasn't what they were saying that it it was just all faked the whole Mm -hmm. thing 
like George Floyd was high on was high out of his mind on drugs. The guy kneeling on his neck was not kneeling on his throat. That's not what killed him. That's not what cut off his ox- supply of oxygen. That was a officially recognized and trained submission technique by the police department. There was a bunch of body camera footage that showed that everything that the cop said was absolutely correct, that he died of a drug overdose. And the whole thing was basically cherry picked by the media in order to justify the riots they already had planned. I mean, in this, in this, like what shit was it? What city was that even? Was it Minneapolis? Minneapolis. Yeah. Yeah. In Minneapolis, how many black people have a negative interaction with police on a weekly basis? In the in though in the area in the bad areas of Minneapolis, I bet they had to go. It's like shit. Like all we gotta do is wait, and it's gonna eventually some drug dealer is gonna get shot by the cops, and then we'll swoop in and trigger all these riots we have planned because we're trying as hard as we can to make sure Donald Trump doesn't get reelected. Okay, the, it was it has been released and recognized that there was a cabal of left-wing individuals and activists from across multiple different organizations that all got together in the fall of 2019 to organize, plan, and coordinate a strategy to ensure Donald Trump could not win re-election. This absolutely is real and happened. Groups from across the left-wing spectrum got together and, tr- and decided we are going to ensure Donald Trump cannot win re-election. That happened. It was groups like Black Lives Matter. It was all groups like, um, well, Black Lives Matter, well, Black Lives Matter and all these other left-wing groups that were working together and decided we were going to manufacture a way to prevent Trump from getting reelected. That happened in the fall of 2019 is when these people started coordinating with each other. What happened in, in early 2020? You had covid then you had George Floyd. You had the whole litany of collapse of the United States we saw starting early 2020, which incidentally is after all these groups got together with the express purpose of manipulating the country into making sure Donald Trump couldn't get reelected. COVID, the Black Lives Matter riots, all of it is a left wing operation to twist this country out of our hands. The entire everything that happened last year was planned and coordinated and not just a grassroots movement. The whole idea was we're going to use COVID and we're going to use Black Lives Matter riots to in order to change election laws and pressure officials so that law enforcement won't stop our activists. We can we can intimidate people at will and we can change all the laws and rules so that we can ensure we can manipulate the election. And then the election happened. January 6th was the same thing. It was planned and coordinated by anti by left-wing activists and the and the left-wing friendly FBI to create a Reichstag fire kind of event that has then as we've seen been used to justify all of these intense increasing clampdowns on civil liberties and destruction of American discourse. What happens in the future? If you look at how all of these things are playing out, the logical conclusion, as we're seeing by the uh, horror of the Afghan pullout, is they're going to twist the entire anti-terror infrastructure against people on the right to destroy their internal opposition. We saw this all throughout 2020 as they were having all of these congressional hearings on white supremacist terrorism. 
now we're seeing it with, oh, well, it's the American Taliban. Mm -hmm. It's going, and like we have said for now, I think years, the goal of the Democrat Party is to get their opposition considered, legally considered terrorists, so that the entire global war on terror, intelligence agency, law enforcement, anti-terror toolkit can be applied to their political enemies because those tools supersede American civil rights. This is the goal. The goal of all of this is to make it so that the Democrat Party and their operatives do not have to worry about the civil right protections of their opposition and can violate them at will in order to ensure that they can rule completely unopposed. That's where all of it, that's, that's the goal of all of this. That's where it's all heading. COVID, Black Lives Matter, defund the police, you know, white supremacist terrorism. It's all part of ensuring that their opposition is legally considered enemy combatants and not worthy of civil rights. Therefore, they cannot organize. They can't protest. They can't oppose them in any real way. It also puts a huge amount of coercion and pressure on any elected representative that we elect because those people would say, well, I would love to stand up for what my constituents want, but what they want is can now considered by the FBI to be domestic terrorism. So I can't even advocate for what my constituents voted me in for because opposed because demanding border security is now puts me on the FBI watch list for white supremacy. Right. Yeah. And that so that that does kind of like wrap everything up into a uh, into a package. And it also because because so many people witness the the obvious like lying and the um, I, I, I guess atomization and tribalization of the media. Yeah. It, it does feed into a lot of stuff for it, like what we were bringing up earlier on on the, the previous um story which is why is the media lying so much and it's because they want to create these factions of did you get the vaccine or are you uh basically committing uh biological terrorism yeah and and you see that you know you see people who are saying you know if you're unvaccinated you shouldn't be allowed to get medical care yeah now and there's there's nuances within that i i think that a lot of the reason why when it comes to COVID stuff, I think a lot of the reason why people want to push the unvaccinated hate so much is because they love the idea of the government being involved. This is a vector that they're going to use to basically hand over healthcare to the government entirely. Mm-hmm. They they like what they see in Australia, who just built a thousand bed facility that won't even be ready until next year to house people who get coronavirus, which seems insane to me because we were told that if everybody got vaccinated, it was going to go away. But right. you have a government that's investing in a massive structure, which is very suggestive that they're never going to say that it's over there are so many correlations between the way that the government is reacting during the pandemic and the whole global war on terrorism i still have to take off my shoes at the airport even though there's absolutely nothing about me or really any other american citizen that suggests terrorism right 
but you still have to take your shoes off at the airport. You still have to get scanned. You still have to show up two hours early to your flight and you're not allowed to challenge it ever. Yeah. What, and think, I like to think it through. What would be required in order to make it so that those rules changed? And it seems very daunting. Imagine the amount of political will, effort, and capital you would have to spend in order to make sh- in order to get rid of those war on terror TSA rules that you don't have to go through a body scan that you don't have to take off your shoes. It's it's almost so uh, it would be almost so obnoxious to get rid of those rules that you just have to almost look at it and think, yeah, that's going to just be here forever. Well, I mean, we spent billions of dollars and it's not like it hurts anybody to do it. And it does make everyone safer. Yeah. That's it. Like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's almost every government program. Well, we already spent the money and I mean, come on, it's already there. So, but yeah, to 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 the that that whole summary of it is this is why people don't trust the government and the institutions this is why people don't trust the media i mean right. people might want to debate some of what alan said and, and say that oh, it's way too big of a conspiracy okay that's fine but prove it wrong that they're not trying to capitalize on this for power because every inch of it we see is them trying to capitalize it, capitalize on it for power. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the greatest examples, like you brought up the whole defund police all last year, it was defund police, defund police, police are racist, defund police. All of the sudden, the entire United States Senate, every Democrat in the Senate voted to say that any any uh sorry any municipality that defunds their police will not receive federal funding so it was right. all bullshit yeah it was all a manipulation and a lie mm-hmm. and that goes with everything that they always do is it's always argued in bad faith like we talked about with ivermectin there are if i if i lived in some alternate world where let's say you know it's it's a totally alternate reality and Instead of meowing, cats make sort of a ringing noise and ivermectin is like totally doesn't work for COVID and the vaccine totally works for COVID. Oh, and COVID's also a huge global pandemic that's killing trillions. In that alternate reality where I was a totally rational and honest actor and I was trying to get people to not take ivermectin to treat COVID, I would focus on a very different set of things. I would talk about, oh, there's all these negative side effects of ivermectin. You might want to think twice before you just grab it off the shelf. Or why are you willing to take this drug that's that you are not sure that works when you're there's also this vaccine that you're not sure that works? There are very rational arguments you could make if you believe if these people were being if what they believed was honest. But they're not making those very good rational arguments. Instead, they're going for the manipulative tactics of, well, it's horse dewormer. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be a dumb idiot that takes horse dewormer. They're going for those kinds of tactics, which proves that they're not arguing this in good faith. Mm-hmm. Because if they if they believed the things that they say they believed, then they would have very different arguments that, to support those things. It proves that they don't actually believe that ivermectin is bad is not going to work for covid but that they want that that 
it proves that they see it as anyone who takes this has to be on the opposing team, and we hate the opposing team, and our real goal is just to destroy them. Because they always are, are, because every one of their arguments and everything the left says is always argued in bad faith, it proves that they are constantly trying to manipulate people at every level. It's like, it's not just that they're lying, it's that they're lying so they can manipulate people. And it's that manipulation that I think is really the key to understanding everything else that they do. Do they want to defund the police? Do they want, it doesn't matter what they want. Because everything they want is simply a manipulation for a different end than what they say. Their motivations are never what they tell you they are. Like abortion. Do they really care so much about women? Oh my gosh, we have... I guarantee you the real reason why the left is has such a love affair with abortion is not because they so super duper care about women's rights. It's probably something much more unseemly than they want to admit and the cover for it is well well women's rights i mean there there's it's it's funny because one of one of my favorite um like like i said not to not to drill too deep into this but one of my one of my favorite things that people point out is the um when you take a look at especially when you get up into um like doctoral level um thought processes when it comes to politics and economics and things like that, there's always the concern about resource allocation. And I've read several things that, that point out um, that there is a lot of dedication to the concept of overpopulation. It was something that's been, it's what a lot of people point out when they, when, when people go after like Bill Gates and his like involvement in like vaccines and, and some of these things is also Bill yeah. Gates talks a lot about overpopulation. And yeah. w- what's really fascinating to me is like, there are arguments that could absolutely be had where it's like, Hey guys, um, the world can only sustain so many people. And you, you could just have like an honest discussion about it in some form or fashion where it's like, maybe, maybe we don't have like, you know, maybe you don't have five kids or, you know, something, whatever. It doesn't matter what the actual discussion is, but like, you could have one, you could have a discussion about like all of the people. Um, and how many people the world could sustain, but they don't do that. Instead, they use all these obfuscations where it's like, oh, do you believe in women's rights? I think that one of the biggest reasons why, at least the intelligentsia, not the people on the ground, there's a million reasons why they do. I think one of the biggest reasons why the intelligentsia supports abortion is because for them, it is a method of population control. It not only keeps down, it's not only a method to keep down populations, it's a method to keep down populations in a specific area, which is low income. Uh, yeah. And additionally, I think they always want the tool to be available uh, just in case. I mean, this is a, maybe a bit of a stretch. So I'll be honest with that initially. This might be a bit of a stretch. But would it surprise you if the same people that support such radical population limiting measures want things like government mandated abortions? They probably that's probably on the tape for the 
for these people, like the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, Bill Gates, the people that are so vocal about needing to reduce Earth's population, is it really beyond the pale to think that they would advocate for a policy of government-mandated abortions if you have too many kids? And I think that's why they all want to make sure it stays legal so that they have that option still open. Well, now, and, and to, to, that, to that point, um, that has happened in other countries, um, obviously. You oh. talk about the, well, oh. yeah, like the, that's China's mm. two-child um, policy or whatever. Like, so, mm-hmm. so that exists. Um, but also, it has existed in the United States. It used to be that if you were considered mentally unsound or, you know, super poor, um, there were, you know, chemical sterilizations performed. If you were a ward of the state, chemical sterilizations were performed. So it has happened now Uh to to the, you know, extent of like, would they do that? That's a good caveat to kind of put a bow on the whole Texas abortion law discussion that we were just having, which is. It's fascinating because the argument that has consistently been used when it comes to abortion advocates is that. There's the whole, like, my body, my choice. The government needs to keep its hands off my body. It's not the government's right to tell me what I can do with my body. But this is after a year of coronavirus mandates where the government is 100% telling you what you can do with your body, what you must do with your body, and mandating, like, at least mandating what you must wear in public, and then also... Mm -hmm mandating or, or or at least skirting the idea of mandating what you must put in your body being yeah. they want to push vaccine mandates there are plenty of people on the left plenty of people who are against the texas abortion legislation that also think that you should be mandated to get an injection mm-hmm. well hey if it saves just one life then all this stuff is worth it all of the discomfort of these COVID measures is worth it if we save just one life. Right. And, and that's, that's why, their rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, that's why, honestly, that's why I think this, th- I, this is why I think the Texas legislation was put through. I think the Texas legislation was put through because it created such a almost hilarious tripping mechanism for so much of what the left has been saying about coronavirus, but also a lot of what the left is saying about gender. Because the normal rhetoric, what we're seeing is men shouldn't be allowed to even speak about abortion because they would never be in the situation to make that decision, except for the fact that the left has consistently told us that men can, in fact, get pregnant, which makes this now a male-female issue. Yeah. Wait, I, I, I thought that I'm sorry. I thought we didn't refer to it as men and women anymore. It would be birthing parents and chest feeders. Exactly. Because because men can get pregnant, too, according to the left. They just spent a year trying to, like, scream at me that men can also get pregnant. Right. And suddenly this is now, oh, no, de- default back to the early 2000s. It's now just it's men and women versus each other again. Right. Drag that playbook back out. And and so I, I I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to like take the wind out of anybody's sails here, but 
to be completely honest, the Texas abortion law was meant to create the debate. It was never it was never meant to solve the problem you think it was supposed to solve. It was never yeah, meant no. to do that. Yeah. It's not written to do that, but it is meant to create the debate. Now, the question is whether or not the debate will finally result in the Supreme Court having to actually make a decision about abortion itself. Or if it's just merely let's get people arguing about about abortion heading into the election year. So then they won't argue about how we also have been screwing things up. Yeah. Because that's what I'm always skeptical about when it comes to when when I start hearing people talk about the Second Amendment, when I hear people talk about abortion, things like that, those hot button social issues. I believe that everyone should approach it with skepticism of even if it's your own side. You should ask yourself, okay, what are you trying to get me to not pay attention to? Because I know you're not going to do anything about this because you never do. Yeah. You you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the thing. We're still debating this. There has been plenty of opportunities for either side to solve this. Either side could have could have done something to go in front of the Supreme Court. The left could have gone in front of the Supreme Court and say, you need to make a constitutional decision as to whether or not abortion is a constitutional right. They could have done that. Similarly, the right wing, the GOP, could have gone in front of the Supreme Court and said, you need to make a decision whether or not the whether whether or not a, a fetus in the womb is a U.S. citizen. Or something of that nature. Either side could have done it. They won't. Why? Because this is the thing that they like getting Americans to debate. So they don't debate whether or not their politicians are actually doing anything worthwhile. Yeah. It's all. Yeah. Very frustrating because you would think. Do you care about abortion? Is it something that you kind of like actually care about? From a political standpoint, no, because politicians don't. I, I think I think politicians use it as a weapon to get us to argue with each other instead of instead of making action instead of coming together as Americans and solving real problems. OK, I think there's a lot of people that care a great deal about baby murder. And I think that those people see it as something that they really, really want to go away. Clearly, the Republican Party does not share in that opinion. No, that, that's and what I, I think, mean. Like, I, right. from a political standpoint, I don't care about it because the politicians don't see it the way that those people do. They are okay, but the, weaponizing yeah. those people for their political ends, not because they also believe if they believed if the politicians believed that it was the murder of a baby, they would have done something. Exactly. The politicians will tell you. That they care a great deal about it, just like you care about it, but then their actions do not reflect anything of the same sort. It's exactly the same as like Obamacare. A bunch of GOP people complained to us. Oh, I hate Obamacare. Obamacare is the worst. Obamacare is an infringement of civil liberties, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't actually care about Obamacare. They just told you they did because we cared about it. Average people cared about it. Normal people saw it and didn't like it and wanted it to go away. And then we voted for all of these people because they said, I share your concerns. I am just as upset about this as you are. I'm going to do something for you about this. But the reality was that those people 
as evidenced by the fact they had absolutely no plan in place for the replacement of Obamacare, it proves that the politicians that we all elected did not actually share our same concerns and were only giving us lip service. And it's the same thing with abortion. People care about it, but politicians are only paying it lift. The Republican politicians are only paying us lip service so that we keep voting for them for some reason. But they're not ever actually delivering on anything that we want. When's the last time the Republican Party delivered on something its base wanted? Huh? If ever? When? When When did taxes? I mean, maybe you could say with Trump. Let's let's take the executive branch out of it. When has the Republican Congress or Senate ever passed a law or bill that actually is something we wanted? When are my when did my taxes go down? When did my guns get more free? When did any of these things that we actually when did abortion get made illegal? When did Obamacare really get pushed away? It's like no, they didn't do they don't do anything. They don't do anything that we want. They just tell us that they're going to do something. We vote for them because we have no other real choice. And then they just sit on their hands and basically pass a limp-wristed version of what the left wants. Right. Yeah, and that it and, is very frustrating to me. And, and and that's why I hate the debate. Like, like just just to be just completely honest about it. Like, I'm I'm over. It's the same reason why you guys don't hear me rail on about the Second Amendment. I mean, of course, I absolutely support the Second Amendment. I absolutely do. I just I don't know what party's going to do anything about it because the Republican Party will tell me that they're going to protect my guns and then they won't. Yeah. And then I never see legislation go forward that like makes make makes my guns more free like Alan just said. Yeah. Like now, to be fair, there are some legislators legislators that do it at the state level, a hundred percent. There are yeah, the state, state legislatures the, that are pushing the state constitutional level is the care. Only place where anything is actually getting delivered. Right, but the federal government, you know, vote for me and I'm going to save X, Y, or Z, and then you don't. So yeah, it, it, it's just it's one of those things that I just ugh. anyway. Um, yeah hammering on no that but those are really good points that's the thing is you know it was the obamacare i think is actually a really great example of this and from from the 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 guise of um the establishment you know trump came into office the house and senate were republican and nothing happened yeah absolutely nothing happened obamacare still exists it was like defanged a little bit kind of they they made it to where they couldn't punish you for not having obamacare but like did it go away i'm not sure like i don't actually hear about it anymore so there's that but it's one of those things that's like i didn't see like the republican party after years of railing against obamacare didn't even have a plan yeah when they came into power which means that they never planned Undoing and you have millions of Republican voters out there. Mm-hmm. There's millions of people. It's you can you could say conservatively half the country votes for these people, and yet they somehow feel they have absolutely no political capital to tr- even try and push things that we want. Right. That's very confusing and weird. You'd think that all of these Republicans sitting in Congress and Senate right now would be going, "I have essentially a blank check 
to push the most far-right conservative nonsense I can possibly come up with because my my base will vote for me no matter what I do because the left is just that bad. They should be overjoyed right now. We should be getting the most far-right, crazy conservative bills being proposed and efforts being made because there is no negative political ramification from a politician being too far right. What are they going to do? Lose votes in the place that elected them? Like, what are, what are any of are any of us seriously going to go? Well, I like my congressman and senator, but he's a little too far right for my taste. I going to vote for the Democrat? That's not going to happen anywhere that elected a Republican. Right, but well, instead, they seem to go, oh, gosh, how do I maintain the left-leaning centrists? How do I attract a bunch of Democrats with defund the police signs in their yard and to, and to vote for me? I, I need to do that. And everyone should go, why do you need to do that? If, if enough Republicans voted for you, those people for sure aren't going to abandon you. So you should just deliver on what they want. There's literally no negative ramification for doing that right now. And they go, yeah, but then all the people that funded my campaign would get upset because I actually am beholden to them more than my voters. Well, doing what the people want is called populism. And I'm told that that's bad. Yeah, I'm told that that was bad. And then I don't get invited to the smoke filled room at the country club. <laughs> how do i get to go to bohemian grove and drink my adrenochrome laced baby blood if i'm not <laughs> delivering what the military industrial complex wants it's so not funny. saying that that's happening but we are left with few explanations other than the gop is controlled opposition or the gop is extremely incompetent when faced with the realities of how they are opposing the left in an area when it should be the easiest as possible to oppose the left. Their lack of a true opposition says either they're wholly incompetent or they're wholly compromised. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, wholly, wholly might be an exaggeration. They are majority compromised or majority controlled. But either way, I should be seeing a lot better opposition from Republican congressmen and senators than I'm currently seeing because there has never been a time where political opposition to the left had a greater positive political effect on someone's perception. Right. And, and, and that's exactly it. Not seeing them capitalize on what is obvious definitely breeds a lot yeah. of questions. Now, <clears throat> speaking of capitalizing on things like that, uh, Let's let's cover one of one of the 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 bigger news stories. Um, This is uh, I I guess the best way to go into it. It's the fallout from Afghanistan. And there's a lot. Um, So so I'll, I'll do this in a numbers sense. Number one. They left dogs. Like, as if I don't. All right. I don't understand who the hell is advising this administration, because there are things that it's just so obvious that you don't screw up. What you Mm -hmm. don't do is give anyone the opportunity to take pictures of defenseless animals like dogs, which many in the country love. Um, it is it is one of those beyond party lines thing is you don't mess with animals, people's pets. Um, yeah. They left a bunch of dogs. Their way of handling 
the break of that story, which is, by the way, so so the administration screwed up the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Then they yeah. tried to celebrate them fixing the screw up with the greatest airlift in history. Then they patted themselves on the back for being one day ahead of schedule in trying to fix their screw up. And they left Americans in Afghanistan and left a bunch of dogs. Right now, some of these dogs were the pets of personnel at the embassy. They were also contracted dogs um, that were used for operations like explosive, like ordinance um, detection and probably drug detection. Yeah. I have to point out that their way of trying to spin the narrative on this was people posted pictures of the dogs that were left behind. And the best that the administration could do was, well, these weren't army dogs. These weren't military dogs. (laughs) Yeah. As if that was what actually mattered. As if that was the real concern was people were like, oh my God, they're leaving service dogs for the military behind. And like they could just brush away by going, oh no, they weren't service dogs. Which shows just how insanely stupid this administration is. Like, dude, did you think the concern was that these were military dogs? No, the concern was that they were dogs at all. You could have just put them on a plane. Why didn't you do that? Yeah. Like, what? why did you not put them on a plane? Why were you refusing people that were trying to get on a plane with these animals and you said that they couldn't? Yet... People are seeing you bring tens of thousands of Afghan refugees, but you couldn't fit the Americans on. You couldn't fit the dogs on. So you prioritized Afghan refugees that you claimed were interpreters, except now we have cities all across America that are offering high paying jobs to anybody who speaks Dari or Pashtun because these Mm -hmm. obviously aren't interpreters. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a huge consideration here. Is we were to- it's everything that we're told, we're being told about this historic Afghan airlift is turning out to either be a half truth or a half lie. Like, oh, it's don't got it's and all of it seems like a sc- a smoke screen to keep people from asking questions about it. Like you said, there is now where where was it? a bunch of somewhere where all these Afghans were being dumped in, in, onto American soil. We're saying we need a call. We're putting out a call for we need a bunch of Dari and Pashtun linguists to come help us process these refugees. And to which we all say, I'm sorry, I was told that they were ling, that these people were interpreters or translators that know English. Turns out, oh, yeah, no, we were just just getting everybody, putting everybody on a plane Uh, for reference. Like we talked about last time, the interpreters we worked with in 2012 we're all in the United States by like, I don't know, 2015, 2016. But the last three or four years, there's only been roughly 10,000 U.S. troops in Afghanistan. And yet we've just brought over something like 50,000 people. They're not all interpreters. There's no way they're all interpreters. And it would be so easy if, the, if, they, if they told us something different. If it was something like, oh, we brought over whatever remaining interpreters there were and... You know, every Afghan 
special forces guy that was trained by the United States who had a price on his head or, you know, something like that. That would be a very rational thing. But they're simply hand waving. It's like, no, they were just refugees, just interpreters to that. You go, you're lying. I can see that you're lying. Why are you lying to me about that? Mm -hmm. It's the same as, oh, these dogs just couldn't get on a plane. Oh, there wasn't there was enough time. We were just so put upon like you were running flights nonstop. You can't tell me a bunch of Air Force guys were looking at these dogs going, let's get these on the plane. Like, like there's a horde of unwashed Afghans over there that are unvetted and we don't know who they are. And then there's all these adorable dogs looking at me through their crate. Every serviceman at that airport would have been like, all right, get the dogs in the plane first. Just get get them out of here. Mm-hmm. But the only way that could have happened is if some officer stepped to intervene and said, well, no, 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 the dogs can't go on the planes. I have orders to make sure that it's only Afghan refugees that are unbedded and might be ISIS fighters. Well, and that, it's it, all nonsense. Well, and right now, what what's what's one of the things that we brought up um, last week talking about this, because we I, don't don't misunderstand me. I know that they're trying to turn this into an emotional thing. It, it is the like, oh, my God, well, we can't just leave these poor people in such an awful country where the Taliban is, I don't know, like setting people on fire just randomly or or what, whatever other horror stories um, that to be fair, may or may not be true. Like, is the Taliban no brutal? Idea. Absolutely. Uh, would would the would the United States lie about how brutal the uh, Taliban is? Yes. Yeah. So, like, those things can absolutely be true. Uh, b- both can be true at once. Is the Taliban shitty? 100%. Is every story coming out about how horrible they are true? Probably not. Because they need the Taliban to be awful to justify bringing a bunch of refugees over because for some reason that's the priority. The point, though, is there is already one of the things that we brought up last week was just how different the culture of Afghanistan is from Western culture. Like there's there is something that only people that have been in Afghanistan will understand that. Bringing a bunch, bringing tens of thousands of refugees from Afghanistan to the United States isn't just a bad idea for the national security reasons of if I were an ISIS guy, I would say, oh, my God, get on that plane because I would absolutely do that. And they probably have. But it's also you're putting Afghans in a very crazy position because they are about to enter a country that they are wholly unprepared for and are not in any position to integrate well into and it's only going to cause problems but maybe that's the point maybe the point is to throw a bunch of afghan refugees in who are going to show up at the united states and not be able to speak the language not have have values that are absolutely opposite of where a lot of americans sit And so when people start going, I don't like that these people are in my community, then the left gets to say right wing, awful, evil, you know, far xenophobes. Oh, geez. The Islamophobia is so disgusting. Vote for Democrats. Um, You know, maybe that's the point, because one of the things that the State Department is having issues with dealing with right now is, hey, guys, how do we handle a grown Afghan man who's married to a 14 year old? Because that happened and that's currently happening. They don't know what to do about it because there's absolutely child brides. Yeah. 
what are, do those people when we when they come to the United States? How do we possibly integrate them in? Do we say, well, your marriage is from Afghanistan, so I guess it's totally valid? All those laws we have saying this is highly illegal and incredibly morally suspect. Guess we just suspend that for the greater good. That's what's gonna happen, right? Like, oh no, don't worry. Any any Afghan marriage gets grandfathered in. Like, yeah, are the multiple marriages grandfathered in? Because that's also a thing. Yeah, how's that? How's that work? The thing is, none of this is even meant to work. Is the is the thing? Mm-hmm. This is all meant to flood the country with Afghans that are incompatible, so that it creates strife and conflict within the United States that the Democrats can then take advantage of. That is the actual goal of this. Is not because they love the Afghans so much. It's because the Afghans are dissimilar to Americans and because they know dumping a bunch of Afghans in red states is going to create problems that they can then turn to their advantage. It's a long-term strategy of divide and conquer. Yeah, and the the, the thing is, is you know everybody wants to pretend like we're doing this because we want to be nice to the Afghans, but this isn't nice to those people either. No. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow... Imagine if you were just picked up from where you live and dumped on the streets of China. Like, hey, welcome to China. You're a refugee. You don't speak the language. You don't read the, you don't read the writing. Uh, you have no idea how anything works. But here's an apartment for you. Boom. You would probably go, well, I'm hungry. I'm going to cautiously wander outside. I don't know where stores are. I don't even know how stores in China work. I don't know. Does, what done? I can't read this money. I would wander to a store and like jibber jabber at like a thing on the shelf and then like stuff a pile of bills at the guy until he was satisfied. It's it's ter- like it would be terrible to suddenly have to start your life over again on the streets of on the streets of China because some Chinese liberal was like, we need to take refugees from the United States. Like That's wild and crazy. Right. And I, yeah. And the arguments for it is, well, Afghanistan's just so horrible. We need to let these people come out because Afghanistan's so horrible. Well, okay, you just made the case for us staying there then. Yeah. And in fact, and in fact, being way more brutal. Okay, so and we it's the, need. It's the it's the same case they make for the southern border. Mexico's just so bad, so we should be able to take every single Mexican is basically an American that isn't on U.S. soil yet. Afghanistan's so bad, so every single Afghan that can get here, they're just an American citizen like you or I. They're just not in the country yet. Right. I'm sure they'll say the same thing about North Korea. I'm sure they'll say they say the same thing about Yemen. It's like, what is the what is special about being an American if every single person in the world is an American that just hasn't stepped foot on our magic soil yet? Well, and on top of that, how can you be against the idea of American colonialism? If yeah. if it's if the idea is that people from South America and Mexico or people from Afghanistan should come here because their government, their areas, their whatever are so awful and coming to America is basically like, you know, coming to Providence, you're making the moral case for us to literally go into those countries, take it over and make it a colonial possession of the United States for the sake of human rights. Yeah. In which case, I almost would respect it more if they just said that and said, oh, no, women's rights in Afghanistan needs to be in. We need to spill blood for women's rights in Afghanistan. Well, at least least you're being honest. Yeah, that would be an honest argument. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you know, here we are. So th- th- that's the whole thing is it's probably, I mean, you could go deep into it with the, you know, concept of like demographic change. They're bringing all these people in. They want to put them in red states to get a few more votes towards the Democrats, maybe. Yeah. So so there's that. There, there could be that. It could also be something just as dumb because of how obsessed the Biden administration is with optics, is that when they saw how they were screwing up the withdrawal, they were like, okay, uh, shove refugees on plane loads, because then at least our base will talk about how great we are. Yeah. Because, you know, we're saving brown people from awful is like a Democrat trope. Yeah. So point is, is that. Once again, it was it was a massive screw up and they did the one thing that you just can't screw up. You you can't mess with because there are some interesting debates that I've seen about Americans that are still in Afghanistan. I've seen a lot of people go, how who the hell was still there and didn't see the writing on the wall? That's at least something that needs to be considered. Now, I don't think any American citizen should have been left when the United States government was literally saying we're we're getting out. If your embassy is leaving a country, you have a responsibility to your citizens to extract them before you should be allowed to leave. The ambassador to Afghanistan should not have been allowed to put his foot on a plane until every U.S. citizen was accounted for. Yeah, that's just that. You're, you're either in service of the United States or you're not. And the fact that U.S. citizens are still in Afghanistan, but all of those political appointees aren't, shows that it was not in service to the, to the uh, people of the United States. So that's number one. Yeah. No, now, Ugh, but, just, but when it, it's so insane. When it comes to the dogs, you can't screw that up, man. People, we can debate their intent. Animals... They, they couldn't do anything. They're yeah, as innocent they're holding, as can be. Yeah, they're they're looking at you as people. People are responsible for animals because of these things. It's just, it is wild that they prioritized loading unvetted refugees onto planes before U.S. service animals. Like they shouldn't have loaded a single unvetted Afghan on the planes. They should have just said, okay. Um, we're going to use a third as many planes. We're going to load only U.S. citizens, only foreign nationals, and only vetted people that – vetted Afghans that have the proper documentation or whatever. But they didn't, and that's insane to me. It doesn't make – it is incongruous with the rationale that they themselves say about these things. Mm-hmm. Now – that obviously wasn't the only mess that occurred. There was also the return known as the dignified transfer of the bodies of the 13 service members who died in the terrorist attack Ugh. at Kabul. Terrorist this... attack that they knew was that they knew was coming and were being warned about, but the officer in charge was never changed their force protection disposition. Yeah, well, so no, because the priority was get as many Afghans through the gate as possible. Don't worry about the possible. Don't worry about the intel we have saying there's going to be a suicide vest attack today. Your job as a Marine is to get as many Afghans onto these planes and into your homeland as possible. Right. Yeah. And, 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 
it, and that's that's exactly it. That was it, my what, jo- my what? job as a marine commander is not to ensure the safety and security of my marines, but is to ensure that as many foreigners get flown into my country as possible. Yeah, like that's that's the deal. Is it is obvious that the priority of the administration was the optics of them saving refugees over anything else, and it resulted in the death of thirteen service members. Yeah, that's it. I mean. The, there's almost no debate on that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, I don't think that that's debatable. Now, that occurred. Those 13 service members died and their uh, their remains were brought back to the United States, flag draped coffins and what's known as the um, dignified transfer at Do- Dover Air Force Base. And we got reports from family members, for example, the father of uh, Darren Taylor Hoover. Uh, refused to meet with Biden at Dover during the ceremony. And he said, quote, in reference to the checking of his watch, that didn't happen just once. It happened every single one that came out of the airplane. It happened on every single one of them. They would release the salute and he would look down at his watch on every last one. All 13, he looked down at his watch. Now, Mark Schmitz, the father of Marine Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz, backed up that claim in an interview with Hannity on Fox News, where he said, yes, I did. I learned my son's I leaned into my son's mother's ear and said, I swear to God, if he checks his watch one more time, that was probably only four times in. I couldn't look at him anymore, uh, anymore after that. Considering considering time and why we were there, I found it to be the most disrespectful thing I'd ever seen. Now, so those are two fathers that have corroborated that he was checking his watch. The media fact-checked it as false. Yeah. So they already so two fathers went on to like were interviewed by the media and said, "Yeah, he kept checking his watch. I found it to be really disrespectful." Which you could have just left alone, but instead the media said, crap, the right wing is getting a win. So why don't we call the parents of fallen Marines and soldiers liars and fact mm-hmm. check it as false? Then when it was brought up, they changed it to lax context because, you know, we don't know why Joe Biden was disrespectfully looking at his watch. It could have been something important. Yeah. So that's number one is watching the media call the parents of fallen military personnel liars just to cover for Joe Biden because he keeps fucking this up so bad. Then on top of that, to make it even worse, there's a mother whose name is Shanna Chappelle or maybe Chappell, who is the mother of Lance Corporal Kareem Naku who had her Facebook post blocked by Facebook or had her Facebook account blocked by Facebook because she shared her interaction with Biden. So in a, in a private meeting with them, she, she accused him of rolling his effing eyes during their meeting. She says, quote, you then said you just wanted me to know how you, wanted me to know that you know how I feel. 
and I let you know that you don't know how I feel, and you don't have the right to tell me you know how I feel. And then you rolled your effing eyes in your head like you were annoyed with me. And I let you know the only reason why I was talking to you was out of respect for my son. And that was the only reason why. I then proceeded to tell you again how you took my son away from me. How I will never get to hug him, kiss him, laugh with him again. You turned to walk away and I let you know my son's blood was on your hands. And you threw your hands up behind you as you walked away from me and, and said, okay, whatever. Mm. Not good. And they blocked. Yeah, they they blocked it. Then you have the sisters of Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum. Cheyenne McCollum, one of the sisters of the Marine Lance Corporal, said that she met with Biden alongside McCollum's pregnant widow and that the president would not would not look at the family in the eye. And spent a spent the three minute conversation talking about Bo, who served in Iraq with the U.S. Army and then died in 2015 from brain cancer. "Quote: I was able to stand stand about 15 seconds of his fake scripted apology, and I had to walk away." So th- these are several different people that just talked about Biden's behavior. Now, okay, sometimes. You could perhaps make this make the statement that some of these people just don't like Joe Biden. They didn't vote for him and therefore they're upset at him. Okay, sure. That that could that could be a statement made. But this many people who just talked about how detached he was, how little he cared about it. And the idea that much like much like when he goes and talks to the nation. He uses the same talking points. One of those talking points, which makes no sense, which is, I know what it's like to lose a child. I lost my son, Bo. That's true. And to be fair to Joe Biden, he has lost his, you know, he he has lost his child. He has lost children before. He lost his daughter and his wife in a car accident in Mm -hmm. the 70s. And yes, Bo Biden did die. He has lost children. That's true. But for him to constantly be like, oh, I lost my son, Bo, and he served in Iraq. It sounds like he's trying to say he lost his kid in combat, which he didn't. That's Bo Biden weird. served in Iraq. Yes, that's true. But then he died of brain cancer in 2015 when he was not serving in the military, it was not connected to the military. He got brain cancer and died. So yeah, you, you lost a kid. That's true, but you didn't lose a child in combat. And for that, at the same point, it seems like it should have been easy for literally any officer who's Mm -hmm. worth their weight to sit down and tell Joe Biden, the commander in chief, Exactly what you're supposed to do when you're in that situation, which is, by the way, there are plenty of lieutenants and captains and majors and colonels who have had to go through this, which is stand there and have an angry service member, uh, angry service members, mother or widow or father or whomever standing there telling you that you're the reason that their child is dead 
and you sit there and you take it and you tell them how sorry you are. Yeah. What you don't do is roll your eyes. What you don't do is check your watch. What you don't do is treat everybody like they're garbage because they dare question you. Because let's be honest, right? I bet Joe Biden, while he's being yelled at by these parents or whatever, goes, Bob, they probably voted for Trump, so screw them. I don't care. You look at I don't, them yeah, like I, voters. I don't understand who's advising them because it seems it seems like if you were the Democrat Party, you would right now be saying, OK, Afghanistan, we need to spin this to be as positive as possible and not give our opponents any ammunition Biden, you're going to go out there. You can be as respectful as possible. We're not going to get a bad clip from that. We're not going to do. We're not going to get bad press from this. It's so easy not to do those things that when they make these mistakes, I feel like it has to be a lack of care about making the mistake. That they don't actually. They're not bothered by the fact that they made this gap. That they made this mistake. That they were disrespectful to these families. Well, that clearly doesn't enter into their calculus as something to be avoided. Yeah, like, well, what's the big deal? The media will just say that they lied. The media will call them liars. And the, well, the media, number one, won't even carry it. It'll just be on Fox News, which we can tell everybody is, oh, well, it's Fox News. So who trusts that? Who trusts Fox mm-hmm. News? And then if it does, like get outside of that sphere and end up on social media as it did, we'll just get our apparatchiks in the media to say that they're lying. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's insane. This is entire, this is completely indefensible behavior and it needs yeah. to be brought up. And I, I honestly, I think the reason why, well, first of all, it shows that just Joe Biden can't do this. He can't. This was a huge crisis and it has become extremely apparent that Joe Biden is not up to the task to being able to handle a country in crisis. He has screwed this up at every single turn and he's done nothing but blame everyone else. It's the Mm -hmm. Afghans fault. It's the, you know, Afghan government's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. It's everybody else's fault, but his own, which was an accusation that they normally leveled against Trump even when it wasn't true. Yeah. And so at this point, the question has to be that the the reality of it is, is look, Joe Biden's not handling this well. And if the Democrat party is legitimate at all, they need to start looking at what their options are because Joe Biden is a massive liability to the Democrat party. He is going to ensure they lose in 2022 He's absolutely going to ensure they lose in 2024. Yeah. Which is going to be wild. I don't know who they're going to get, but it's whoever they get in 2024. If it's Biden again, I don't know how that's going to work. And B, how are they going to get someone that said Biden did anything wrong? Yeah. It, 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 it's complete insanity. And then what's amazing is you have the leak of a phone call. There was a yeah. phone call between Joe Biden and the, at the time president, uh, the former president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani. 
where the call was on July 23rd and you have the president of the United States talking to the president of Afghanistan saying, hey, um, it looks like you're losing control of the country and I don't care how, even if it's untrue, you have to change people's perception of how things are going in Afghanistan, which I think the big hidden lead to that is Joe Biden knew that the Afghan government was not going to be able to stand against the Taliban on July 23rd. He knew that. Yeah. I mean, we saw all fighting season long this year, starting in April, massive Taliban gains and mass surrenderings of Afghan army troops. Mm Mm-hmm. By July, the Taliban had already taken over entire districts. So when he had this conversation, he was very he was totally in his right to say, this situation looks really bad. You need to do something about this. But if he was agreeing to that, you'd think they you think the we wouldn't have seen if they knew enough then that this phone call was necessary. It seems like we then wouldn't have had the catastrophe that followed at the beginning of August, which was just this disorganized mess of a pullout from Afghanistan. That's bizarre. Like, you think you would have said, someone in the Pentagon would have said, all right, we all, the writing's on the wall. Let's start planning the withdrawal. Let's tell all of these Americans that are wandering around Afghanistan for some reason, hey, you need to get to Kabul because we might have to airlift you out. Right. Just as baffling that they... Clearly, at the top leadership, they were concerned about Afghanistan, but at the but that never translated into any actions that would have made the pullout from Afghanistan more orderly. Right, and it, it is absolutely incredible to yeah. see not only that it's pretty obvious that Biden knew things were not going well in Afghanistan. But on top of it, to tell the Afghan president, you need to change the world's perception, even if it's not true. So even even before the majority of Americans knew that this crisis was occurring, Biden's number one priority was optics. It needs to look better. I don't care if you lie about it. It just needs to look better. I look bad right now. And I need to not look bad right now. That was what Joe Biden was. He wasn't worried about U.S. citizens. He wasn't worried about embassy personnel. He wasn't worried about the Afghan people. He was worried about how bad it looked for him. Yeah. And so not that shocked that Ashraf Ghani, when Kabul fell, went, "Uh, well, this is going to look real bad for Joe Biden. And that's the one thing that he cares about. So I'm going to... GTFO with suitcases full of money to the UAE or where the hell ever, because Biden's probably going to have me suicided for making him look bad because I, well, and honestly, maybe part of the reason why the Afghan government fell was because the American president said, I need this to look good for me. That's what I care about. And maybe that was the point in time that the Afghan government went, you know what, guys, it's over. Easily could have been. The American president will not support us. We're screwed. It's over. Oh, and I mean, it seems like President Ghani was not exactly a. uh, A 
the sharpest tool in the box when it came to running Afghanistan, clearly. Certainly not. Like, I I mean, let's be honest, you know, Hamid Karzai was running Afghanistan and then uh, came to America as soon as he could. Yeah. I mean, his daughter, like, lives in New York. You know, like, these people got their money and ran. I don't know. Like, it is, yeah, like, Ashraf Ghani's not exactly a great person. He's a corrupt Afghan politician, as most of them are, and enriched themselves with billions of dollars, or millions of dollars at least. But the reality is, is even Biden didn't care about how this went. He cared about how it looked. That was his priority, and that's why it was a failure. But that's going to have to be it for the show, uh, because we're at time now. So be sure to go Ugh. over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio to help support this program and tune in every week on Sunday from noon until two Eastern time. I'm Aaron from the East coast. I'm Alan from the West coast. And this is wrong think radio. We'll see you all next week. Ooh.